Good morning, everyone. I was struck by the lectionary readings this week. I don't know if you tend to read both of them before the service. Um, you obviously have an option as to what you can do, a bit from both or from one, wherever, wherever, as Leslie Bell said to me when I was beginning to start doing this, just ask you, ask what God wants you to, to be saying today. Um, and I've chosen to talk about the gospel, not James, though that was compelling <laughs> and blunt and straightforward, but then James is. Um, I'm also going to do a bit of cross-service fertilisation this morning. Um, and for those... I don't know how many of you will have heard Ellie's sermon on salt and light in May, I think it was, earlier on this year. If you haven't, uh, hopefully this might stimulate you to go and listen to it. I've listened to it again in preparation for this. Um, and it's, these two come together a bit, really, but this is, gonna, this is a slightly different slant on it. And this is where I love the lectionary, because it doesn't have the filtering of the vicar saying, this is what I want to do with the, with the congregation for this coming term. It's the lectionary. You, that is what it is. It's a way in <laughs> that might be uncomfortable. And actually, if you were listening to what I was saying, there's some really uncomfortable stuff that I've just read there, um, which was what immediately struck me. And I thought, I, we, I'm not sure that I could really let it go <laughs> with how uncomfortable it was. So let's try and get into it a bit. Firstly, I suppose, what, what was John's intention at the beginning in saying, we told them not to do it because, because it, it won't be you? Hmm... Why had they stopped people doing that? What was their intention? Was it, was it good? Was it about themselves? Was it a bit of ego? And interestingly, when I went back and read it, I just, I just in my mind read disciples and thinking, oh, it's prob- it probably Peter. I'm being a bit harsh there, aren't I? But actually it was John, the reflective one, who actually said, we stopped them doing it. And normally John is seen as being a little bit more reserved. <clears throat> so were they trying to please, impress Maybe there's a mixture of all sorts of motivations. So before I go on and just think a little bit about that, just, just thinking if, if in business they talk to you, don't they, or, or in, in life they often talk to you, if people say to you, what do you do? It's like the elevator pitch, isn't it? You've got 30 seconds to say what you do. Well, let's just think about that question. Why do you go to church? Or what do you do when you go to church? What's it about church that's good for you? The immediate thought, I think, is, oh, you'd want to say how great Jesus is. And if you listen to Ellie's sermon, it's, it's writ large through there. It's, it's a really good exhortation to how fantastic Jesus is and how important being a Christian is and the, and the, and the strength of the gospel. You wouldn't probably say some of the following. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of those little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if you had a great millstone were hung around your neck or you were thrown into the sea. I'm trying to put us into that elevator pitch here. I'm not sure that it's the sort of thing that what Jesus said that we would do. And yet, it's part of who he is. It's part of what he said. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell to the unquenchable fire. It's uncomfortable, this, isn't it? It's not easy. And I realise I'm taking it out of context, and it could sound... It sounds probably much worse than it is but actually it is worse than it actually is if your foot causes you to stumble cut it off it's better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and thrown into hell and if your eye causes you to stumble tear it out it's better for you to enter kingdom of god with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched that's not the image we would normally portray of jesus is it now i suspect that's probably a bit uncomfortable for many of you, I've just seen you, Ellie, there. <laughs> You're probably thinking, where's this going to go? 
doesn't, it's not normally the thing that we think about with Jesus, is it? And yet, it's part of him. Now, if we just roll forward 10, 20, 30 years, Jesus died, risen again. These disciples went on and became even greater advocates of him. So it didn't do them any harm to hear him say this. He was, he, it was fine, okay? Look where they came. Look where Peter ended up in terms of his, you know, how he was crucified and died. So it's not, it's not really... It's not bad news, but we, do, we just need to be prepared to reflect on this, I think. And don't forget, we all just stood up and said, this is the gospel of the Lord. And you all said, praise to you, O Christ. So you are invested in this as well. So am I. We've said that. We're here. We believe that this is the gospel of Christ. This wouldn't be a good place to stop, would it? So a few questions that sort of come up. The first one, I think, is really, how do you think the disciples responded to that because John must have said it and John a pretty solid guy great insight great reflector he must have you know he must have had relatively good intentions in saying we're trying to do the right thing Lord no don't millstone round your neck cut your hand off foot off tear your eye out that's very strong I'd have thought the responses from the disciples would have been what or if they're English it would be I beg your pardon I'm sorry or in modern day parlance on social media, it would be open mouthed emoji. <laughs> For those of you who've been in the Teams meetings and that's what you put in when something shocking comes up. They might be saying, okay, I get the idea of that we might be stumbling blocks, but I'm surprised that what we did might be seen to be that. And then he goes on, after he said that first one, then it's cut off my hand, cut off my foot, etc. How was it for the disciples at that point? Well, they did end up with that life completely extolling Jesus' virtues. It, it gets wrapped up at the end by the reference to salt. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Now, I could spend 18 minutes, 31 seconds trying to replicate what Ellie did in May. Just go and listen to it. In effect, the two components of salt there are flavour and preservative and that's in the context of where we were at that point that's what that's what salt did that sums up what Jesus was saying in those ones before about stumbling blocks is that it's about saltiness so what does salty actually mean in this context intuitively I have to say, for me, the idea of being salty and flavouring and preserving within society is, is powerful. I'm not sure that it immediately follows on from those are the stumbling blocks. But Jesus has been really powerful about actually the level of impact you can have. Because salt is an integral part of life. In those days, it really was that which preserved meat and stopped it from becoming unbearable to be near. And the flavouring that it brings. When you have something without salt, it's very different than when you have it. There's a context for each of us here now. What does salty mean for you in your life, in things that you might do that cause yourself or other people to stumble? That's the essence of what Jesus is saying here. Now, he's obviously going way 
strong when he's talking about cutting off hands and cutting off feet. But he's making the point that try not to cause yourself to stumble and certainly not others. That is not what being salty is about. It's the antithesis of being that flavour and being that preservative, trying to preserve God's kingdom in and amongst all of this. So where does that, where does that leave it for each of us individually? I'm not sure that I can go any further than that and give any specific ideas. I think that's something to reflect on about are we being salty? And I would really encourage you to, in, in this, in the, in the cross um, service culture, I would encourage you to go and listen to Ellie's sermon and then maybe think back about this passage because Ellie was preaching from the Sermon on the Mount where it talks about saltiness, but it doesn't talk with, with these prior to it. This is then reserved for Mark. It's another part of the story. It is there. And I suppose what I'm doing is coming and laying myself bare a bit and saying, I don't know exactly why Jesus went quite so strong. Afra and I were talking about it last night. It's powerful stuff with the people who he had been closest to for a long time and continued to be close to and who became his most ardent followers and set up the whole of the church for the last 2,000 years. But he wasn't afraid to just cut across them. That is the Jesus that we know and love. That is the Jesus that we trust but he's not afraid to cut across us and say, just know. The Jesus meek and mild and the Jesus loving and accepting as we are, yes. But there's times when he's prepared to go, no. Even to John, the disciple that he loved, as it's quoted somewhere. So this is a bit more of a complete picture of Jesus for me, which could make me think, oh, I don't want to go near that. And as I said, it's not probably the, the pitch that we would give to people saying why we come to church. But it is an important thing for us to be able to reflect on and, and embed within our understanding of the character of Jesus and what he means to us and how I suspect for these disciples, having when he first said what he said and then, then saying, what? Really? <laughs> Actually, it ended up with a probably a greater and a deeper relationship with Jesus. And in terms of their impact on society, it probably really ended up with them being salty and adding flavour and also being salty and preserving. And the context for each of that, I can't say what it means for you and I need to go away and think about this more for myself. Having reflected on this quite a bit, there's a lot here for us to... This is, this is the meat, isn't it, of, of, of where we are as Christians. Okay, Jesus was prepared to really challenge those who he had called in a very powerful way to help them. That's the nature of who he is, and I think that's something that's really worth reflecting on. I think that's it, isn't it? I don't say anything else.